0: Darkness has descended upon the city, and the creatures of the night have begun to stir. This is the time when the veil between the realms of the living and the dead is the thinnest, and all that is is not what it appears to be. Like a lone sentinel, one candle flickers in the night, revealing all that lurks in the darkness. This is Ghost Chronicles, Book of Shadows. Welcome to the nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles uh, Next Generation, even though that is the Book of Darkness opening, which I guess we got to change back. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper in the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. With me, all the way from the land of the East Bridgewater, is the blonde bombshell herself, Miss Anne Carrigan. Well, good evening to you, and how you are you this
1: fine evening?
0: Excellent, and I'm really excited about the show because we have uh, a gentleman on who who actually is the director of a, a really cool place. And you, you know, I'm very much big into uh, history and preservation, uh, so I'm, I'm really excited about this. Mm-hmm. And he, so, so, and ghost hunters were there for whatever that's worth. Oh boy. So without any further (laughs) ado, let me introduce to you uh, a gentleman uh, who is the director of Hyde Hall. He is Mr. Jonathan Manny. Hi, good evening. There you go. (laughs) Hi,
1: Jonathan. How are you?
0: I'm well, thank you. Excellent. So, uh, Jonathan, can you hear me all right first to start with? I can hear you just fine. Okay, that's cool. Um, i I think I messed up your title. You're you're something different than director, right?
2: I'm the executive director of Hyde Hall and uh, the name is pronounced
0: Maney. Oh, I was so close. <laughs> On both
2: accounts.
1: <laughs> <the> <laughs> Ron is beyond horrible with names, so we constantly have to apologize for him.
2: <laughs> well, in some ways that it doesn't particularly matter. <laughs> I think it does. But anyways.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Jonathan, uh do you want to first of all tell us where Hyde Hall is, and and how you get involved with it?
2: Hyde Hall is uh, located in Springfield, New York, and that's about um, uh, eight or nine miles north of Cooperstown. It's on um, the northern end of Otsego Lake. Uh, the northern end of Otsego Lake forms a kind of a Y, and we're on the uh, eastern part of the Y. So uh, Hyde Hall is a, a limestone Regency-era mansion, 50-room mansion, that overlooks Otsego Lake. It was sited here because the view is all the way down the lake to Cooperstown straight south, and it's uh, one of the most magnificent views uh, in the country, and it's something that we're quite proud of.
1: Mm, it looks beautiful. I just hopped on your website here. <laughs>
2: Yes, and uh, one of the reasons why I became uh, director of Hyde Hall is because of my interest in period lighting and the fact that we have some exceedingly rare um, chandeliers here. They're called vapor light chandeliers. They're probably the only ones that function as they did in the 1830s, uh, anywhere in the world. uh, And this is according to the English lighting experts who visit us and tell us how rare they are in English houses and the fact that most of them have been converted to uh, either kerosene or electricity and ours function as they did when they were first uh, purchased by George Clark in
0: 1833. Mm. Oh, wow. Wow, that's amazing. Do you know that in Hyde Hall is a kind of
2: a a textbook of... uh, of contemporary uh, technology for the time. It was very advanced in most ways. It was an oasis of, of luxury and comfort located uh, in the, uh, in a very uh, remote and rural area. George Clark probably chose this site because it was so removed from everything else. He was English and uh, he had left behind him in England a, a wife and a family. And when he came to this country, uh, he came to, uh, to develop the inheritance that he had received from his uh, great-grandfather Who was also George Clark, who was a lieutenant governor of the province of New York under Queen Anne and then uh, King George I and King George II. So he inherited uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 100,000 acres of land, and uh, he split. um, He he left Hyde Hall in England, uh, which was an Elizabethan structure in in Cheshire, uh, to his brother, and uh, he came to America and took over the the American properties here, uh, which did not include the site where Hyde Hall was built. He had to purchase that. At first, he built a, a country retreat here, and then he did, it was just a cottage, what he called a cottage. It was a large mm-hmm. stone building. But mm-hmm. then when he decided to uh, live here full-time and, uh, and marry um, a local woman, a beautiful uh, local woman named Anne um, Carey uh, Cooper, um, he uh, decided to uh, expand Hyde Hall and make it his country seat. Lovely. Well, now, a- Hyde Hall is.
3: Hmm?
1: I, I was just going to ask now. So he, this was the son we're referring to.
2: That this uh, is um, this is George North? Clark. We we call him George Clark the Builder. Um, his great great grandfather um, or great grandfather rather was also George Clark, and and his okay. and then um, the George Clark the Builder as we call him. His son was also a George Clark. We call him uh-huh. George the Bankrupt. And then that was followed by another George Clark that we call <laughs> George the Gentleman, which was followed by another George Clark who we call George the Farmer. Just to try to keep them separate. There were okay. also Georginas in the family. Oh no! <laughs> they were very fond of of the name George and also Hyde, and uh, <laughs> so that's why this is called Hyde Hall because uh, George Clark, the uh, the gentleman who had been uh, Lieutenant Governor. Of the Province of New York had uh, married um, uh, a woman named Anne Hyde, who was related to Queen Anne who was also um, a Hyde and uh, that was a royal connection and the Clarks were very proud of that and maintained that as a middle name for most of the family members up to, up until the present mm-hmm.
0: you, you know it 's just like George Foreman, he had all the Georges too. Exactly. George, one, two, three, whatever. They're all George. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Jonathan, we are lucky enough to have a, uh, a bar here in Lowell, Massachusetts, where Edgar Allan Poe used to go. And it has still the original operating uh, ceiling fans. Uh, it's the only uh, establishment in the country that still has the uh, belt driven uh, uh, ceiling fans so it's've we 've got a little bit of history here
2: <laughs> well you know it 's very nice when you can show visitors how a place like this actually functioned and how the, the, uh, and, you, and you can show people basically that the parts of the machine the machine for living. And this was a particularly elegant and even opulent machine. Wall-to-wall carpeting in all of the rooms, uh, Brussels carpets imported from England, and uh, beautiful uh, curtains that were made of, of silk or wool, uh, figured damask. Uh, very elaborate, very sculptural curtains. And we have the uh, original fabric. We have the sections of the original carpets. We are reproducing those and uh, beginning to uh, put those down again in order to fully restore Hyde Hall and recreate as much as possible that experience for our visitors. And this includes, of course, doing demonstrations of the original lighting, something that they will see nowhere else in the world.
1: Mm. That's amazing that it's still all intact. And and... Now, has this house always been... um... You know, you always hear the tale of how the house has fallen into disrepair over the years. Has this always
2: been a place that was maintained and? Uh, with well, a house like this up? usually, when you, when you have a house that's, that's 200 years old or going on 200 years old, you're, it, it typically is a story of of, of rise and fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, of, of uh, decay and then repair right. and cycles like that and, and and Hyde Hall is is very much uh, representative of, of that sort of up and down kind of um, uh, path through history. What we've seen here is a house that was had the largest private rooms uh, or the largest rooms in any private uh, dwelling in America. Up until 1840, you could put all of Mount Vernon just into the Great House section, which contains the dining room, the drawing room, and the front hall. The rooms uh-huh. are that large. the The, the ceilings uh, measure between 18, 18 and a half and 19 feet.
3: Uh-huh.
2: It is it is a grand house by American standards. By English standards, it's a smaller manor house i mean it 's just tiny compared to to Blenheim or or a, a magnificent large house like that or the house that you see uh, represented in on Downton Abbey
3: but it <laughs> is
2: in miniature that kind of house and it has that sense of of grandeur and pride and um, the, um, the the whole oh uh, feeling of 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 a place that is meant to to impress and uh, but also uh, make guests feel um, very honored and, and, and comfortable being there. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We have about um, 70% of the original furniture, perhaps a little bit more, and we continue to add to the uh, the relics in the house so that we can, uh, once again, recreate for our, our visitors uh, what it was like in 1835 when you would come to Hyde Hall as a guest.
0: Mm. And you have a unique uh, partnership with the state, I understand.
2: We do. We um, do. I'm uh, head of an organization called the uh, originally it was called the Friends of Hyde Hall, it's now called Hyde Hall Incorporated and this organization was first formed in 1964 to save Hyde Hall. Hyde Hall was uh, acquired by the state of New York in 1963 it was In effect, it was seized by eminent domain a few years before the New York State Legislature had um, made it possible to take properties over for recreational purposes. And the state was very interested in Hyde Hall, not for the building, but for the very beautiful English-style picturesque park around Hyde Hall, which included an incredible bay area that could easily be turned into a beach, a public beach. Mm-hmm. So when the state acquired Hyde Hall, the intention was to basically obliterate it and, oh. um, and create a beach with uh, beach pavilions. And uh, where Hyde Hall now stands, uh, they had uh, originally planned, or at least one plan was to uh, put up tennis courts here uh, to um, uh, blow up the building with dynamite and oh. uh, haul the rubble away. And, uh, and this, is, this is a limestone building. It's It's enormous. And it has over 50 rooms and uh, interior courtyards, and it's uh, it's a, a complex of of, of uh, forms and sections, two-thirds of which are, are devoted just to uh, servants or service activities to support the house. It's, it's big, <laughs> probably somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 23,000 uh, square feet. And then, of wow. course, around it were also... Uh, buildings, and ash house, and, and barns, and stables, and so on and so forth. But again, the plan was to knock all that down. And so for uh, the first uh, several years of the state's ownership of Hyde Hall, no maintenance was done, and the roof uh, began to fail, mm. and um, there were people here trespassing, and there was vandalism and, and a variety of problems. The Friends of Hyde Hall was formed in 1964 by a group of people, including some of the Clark family, who... Uh, owned Hyde Hall for five generations, who um, were very upset at the prospect that Hyde Hall would be destroyed.
3: Mm -hmm. So
2: they went to uh, one of them, and Hyde Clark Choate went to uh, Albany and um, walked into Nelson Rockefeller's office and right (laughs) past his secretary and went up to open the door, um, just turned the, the knob, opened the door, went inside his office and went over to his desk. And I'm told, I'm not sure how true this is, but that she... Uh, gently wrapped her fists on his desk and said, "Nelson, this will not do. You <laughs> <laughs> cannot just seize this property and then destroy my family's heritage."
1: Right,
2: that's awesome. And he said, "Oh," and he said, "Oh, hello, Anne. Sit down." <laughs> Because he knew who she was, and because she had already spoken to Lawrence Rockefeller, his brother, and Lawrence Rockefeller was a very progressive uh, force in in preservation in New York State history, Uh, um, an unsung hero in many ways, and I think a a terrific person for um, having worked hard to save places like Hyde Hall and many others. And You have to remember, the the whole preservation movement in the 1960s was very young. They had just knocked down Penn Station in New York, and um, there was uh, just developing a sense that uh, our architectural heritage is central to our national identity and an important way for us to understand who we are, where we came from, and even in some ways where we're headed. And right. certainly uh, we were headed into the wastebasket if we're tearing down all of these wonderful national treasures.
1: Right. And did the Vox so, also have uh, a hand up in – I was up in Bar Harbor this summer in the, mm-hmm. uh, up in Acadia. National Park. I, I wouldn't
2: they, be. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, yeah, Lawrence Rockefeller, in particular, was very active and and very interested in uh, um, um, many different periods of architecture and, 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 and anything that was beautiful and worth preserving.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that that's amazing. Uh, it, it's <laughs> to just breeze into someone's office and say, "We're not going to do this." <laughs>
2: well, it was a nice that's dramatic moment, and and it did work out. And basically, what uh, Rockefeller and but Nelson Rockefeller, with the governor and um, the uh, the Friends of Hyde Hall, worked out was an agreement that would save Hyde Hall and would require the Friends of, of Hyde Hall to raise a, a very substantial amount of money, which would then be matched by the state. And so the agreement basically was that uh, the state would um, would take over the, uh, the most important um, uh, features of uh, restoration, which begins with stabilization, and uh, repair the roofs and um, uh, do the, the work necessary to ensure that the building didn't collapse. And the Friends of Hyde Hall uh, were responsible for the interior restorations and um, the uh, decorative schemes and uh, caring for the furniture and collections and uh, arranging things and interpreting things and providing tours and then developing uh, events and activities that would be consistent with our, our missions, our goals, and our purposes. And at this, at this uh, juncture now, we are uh, an arts and cultural center, as well as a museum. We uh, host a, a variety of wonderful musical entertainments in our drawing room that uh, allow people to, to listen to period music or sometimes contemporary music in an intimate space that will hold about 70 people. And uh, we've had several memorable concerts here, both inside and outside, especially with the incredible view of the lake. Uh, we have um, uh, a section of lawn that overlooks the, the lake, and uh, that's where we have weddings and, and other events and activities. It's really become what it was in many ways—a destination for people who want to uh, to enjoy uh, an extraordinarily beautiful site
3: mm, and a wonderful
2: house and wonderful hospitality that the Clarks were famous for. <laughs> now, can you
1: stay at Hyde Hall, or is it just strictly a you know uh, like an, an event? It
2: is a state no. park's property and and uh, one of the rules is that you cannot stay overnight. Although when Ghost Hunters were here uh for a week back in March of uh the year before last, mm-hmm. uh, we did stay uh, in the house until about uh, 3:34 in the morning. But um that was with special permission from the state. We had a permit. So uh, how I'm sure did that you many guys people, get many people uh, when the house was uh, semi Abandoned, or its fate was uncertain. That some people did stay in the house, right. and um, I've met one such person who uh, described to me um, one unsettling experience that he had. But there are many stories uh, about Hyde Hall. Uh, nothing malevolent, but uh, but many interesting stories that that seem to uh, to relate to its history, to the uh, the, the the happy and the, and, the, and some of the very tragic things that have happened here. Again, with the life of any great house, there are going to be um, uh, a variety of um, vicissitudes, ups and downs, deaths, and uh, unfortunate and very unhappy events, and and very happy ones as well.
0: Right. I think Ron had a question, right, Ron? Right. I was basically going to say, how did you take the next step and get involved with the ghosts and the ghost hunters and and the the haunting of uh, Hyde Hall?
2: Well, we were approached by uh, ghost hunters, and I i, I want to be... I'm a steward of this house. I, I sort of see myself as the butler. Some people have said to me, don't you feel that you own Hyde Hall and so on and so forth, which is, of course, nonsense. Uh, not at all. My my job is to, uh, to protect the house, to work toward its preservation, and also to ensure that it is interpreted appropriately. And um, the... When Ghost Hunters uh, first approached me, I, I didn't say yes, I didn't say no, but I went to the board and discussed it with them, and I also went to Clark family members because I didn't want to do anything that might be uh, unseemly or insulting. Uh, I want to protect the reputation of the house and, uh, and, and in a sense, its dignity. And because um, I've always felt, um, I've never felt alone in most old houses. And for that reason, I also wanted to pr- pr- protect the uh, the residents of the house who uh, only some people are privileged to see.
3: <laughs>
1: so, how far back uh, do these hauntings go? Has it, has it been something recent? Something way back?
2: No, it goes back to the nineteenth century. James Fenimore Cooper. Uh, the grandson of, uh, of the famous author of the same name wrote in his uh, 1921 book uh, called The Legends and Traditions of a Northern County that Anne Carrie Cooper Clark, and she was the uh, wife of the first of the builder of Hyde Hall, that she was thrown out of Hyde Hall by her son in the 1850s when he married a young woman and wanted the mansion for himself. Now, we don't think this is true, but this is one of the legends. Mm-hmm. According to Cooper, and Carrie Cooper-Clark entered uh, her carriage at the mansion's front portico when she was leaving. And as the carriage drove away, she shouted, You may, you may drive me out now, but I shall return and haunt it forever.
3: Uh-huh. Some
2: witnesses claimed that, that she then added, May no woman ever be happy in it again.
3: Ooh. Double and
2: um, <laughs> the last part of this curse, if, if, if you want to call it that, was perhaps uh, turned out to be true. It has not been a happy place for many of the women of Hyde Hall, ah, or so some people say. <laughs> this, the, the same James Cooper. Uh, he was a visitor to Hyde Hall in the 1890s. He wrote that one night after a party, he was uh, given one of the guest bedrooms that he uh, that that he called, at least in in his book, the Blue Room. We're not sure which room that was now. But anyway, in the middle of the night, he, uh, he woke up suddenly feeling that he was not alone. He heard someone walk toward his bed, and he felt the blanket slowly being pulled off of him. Oh. He shot out of bed and, and fumbled uh, uh, with uh, lighting a, a candle. And then when the uh, candle was lit, he saw that the doors to the room were closed, as they were before, and no one was there. Oh. The next morning, when the clerks asked him how he slept, he said, not very well. <laughs> he then, took, uh, he took, then he took Mrs. Clark aside and told her what had happened. Uh, she seemed upset and wanted to know if he had heard any of the other stories about this room, which the family uh, reserved only for special guests, such as trusted friends, but never strangers. <laughs> she told Cooper that others had seen an old man walking down the hall outside the room several times at night, someone wearing a yellow, red, and green bathrobe. A wrapper, as it was then called. Mm -hmm. George Clark, the builder of Hyde Hall, had worn the same thing before he died more than 50 years before. The Uh, wrapper was still stored in a trunk in a storage room at that time.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. But since then, there have been many other reports of haunting. I mean, the the members of this household include um, uh, Millie Ryerson, who survived uh, the sinking of the Titanic and uh, as her... Um, children said it was always in the background, but she would never talk about it. So there was, with some of the women here, there was a sense of that sort of tragedy that was always sort of uh, looming. Uh, but, but during the restoration process of, um, uh, during the 1970s, uh, workmen uh, often complained that tools disappeared or were moved, and they were put in strange places. I mean, one of them said he, he felt that whatever it was was playful. Right. Right. Um, that the ghost had a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Um, One workman said that he saw a human figure emerge in a cloud of dust as he sanded the plaster walls. It freaked him out. Mm -hmm. He stopped what he was doing, and he he said the figure flew up the Tiger Maple stairs and entered the second-floor corridor and went into one of the guest bedrooms. And he thought that maybe that was the same guest bedroom that was referred to by James Fenimore Cooper's grandson. Could be. Could be. And
1: then another time... We just have a question in our oh. chat room. Oh, sure. Uh, and Ghost Girl wants to know, has anyone seen any apparitions there, which you've kind of already just answered. I didn't know if people had seen others.
2: Well, it's it's some people who have visited the house. For example, when we had a ceremony that that celebrated the lighting of the chandeliers here for the first time, the chandeliers hadn't been hung since 1871, and um, a group of, um, of, of people that um, are very knowledgeable about uh, this kind of technology, uh, worked with me to uh, to restore these chandeliers, and uh, we had a big dinner in the house, and we had no idea, of course, what the light would look like, and it turned out to be really quite romantic and very beautiful.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And during that time, one of the guests, um, we had about perhaps 45 people in the dining room, uh, having dinner that night, and uh, one of them, uh, an Englishman, went upstairs and just began to wander around the house, which, of course, he wasn't supposed to be doing, but he told me about it later, and he said he went up into a room um, um, called the nursery, the nursery suite. It's um, a collection of rooms uh, that were dedicated around the turn of the century to uh, the young Clark children, and he said that he sensed very strongly that there was a woman there, and he felt that he that she said to him to get out, and he said <laughs> that she. He, He felt that uh, that she that she hated men, and I just I just laughed and I said, well, perhaps she just hated you, (laughs) (laughs) because you're not supposed to be doing those things. (laughs) No, but the only but the times the only apparition that that people have reported seeing was this old gentleman walking up and down this rear corridor. It's the guest bedroom corridor in the house, and it's a very long corridor. And, um, and we, we, hear the, we hear footsteps, and even I've heard the footsteps here. Many of the, uh, the docents or the, uh, the tour guides have reported uh, opening up the house in the morning and uh, turning off the alarm system and then hearing footsteps. And, of course, you just assume that it's an intruder. Right. And then they go upstairs, and they continue to hear the footsteps until they just, until just about when they're to enter that hallway, and they stop. Uh-huh. And the same thing has happened to me. We had a a concert here a, a week ago, a, a Schubertiad concert featuring uh, featuring uh, all Schubert music, and it was quite wonderful. We had the uh, uh, local uh, young opera singers from the uh, Glimmerglass Festival Opera here, and uh, as well as musicians from their orchestra, and it was a, it was a just a, a glittering, wonderful event. But I kept hearing the sound of somebody walking around upstairs, which bothered me because I I, I was afraid that uh, the the people in the the, the drawing room would hear this as well and it would be distracting for the music. I was in uh, a rear hallway just looking through a doorway at what was happening because it was standing room only and uh so i could slip out without being noticed and i went upstairs and i wandered around i couldn't find anybody i could just hear the music from the di- from oh. from a distance which was quite beautiful but there was no footsteps any longer and the same thing happened to me just as i, I could hear them until I, I entered began to enter that corridor and they simply stopped that's that the steady steady cool. tread nothing, we do have to take a malevolent. break
1: we have to take a break for just a moment jonathan sure. and uh... Van Helsing, do you want to go into the break for me?
0: You are listening to the Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan Carrigan and Ron Kolick. Uh, special ghost John Manny uh, right of uh, Hyde Hall right here on uh, to- to- Net Pararex Ghost Channel and beyond. We'll be right back.
4: Hello, hello. Can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the meeting of the Ghost Box. although I've discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, dash. I'm required elsewhere on something called a K-2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there.
1: Welcome to Talking Net, radio with a cutting edge And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles: Next Generation with Ron and Ann, and our special guest this evening, Jonathan Maney. Did I get it right? Mm-hmm.
3: You did. Perfect. <laughs> Yay! Okay.
1: <laughs> and the ghosts of Hyde Hall.
2: Well, you were asking me about um, people who have seen things, and uh, we sometimes have visitors who come to Hyde Hall who walk in the the front. Door, the enormous front door of the house, and underneath the, the uh, stone portico, mm-hmm. and turn around and say, "I can't, I can't be here. There are too many, there are too many uh, presences here, and, oh. and so on," and <laughs> and ask for the money back. And uh, that's happened a few times. Or others who say, "You know, this house is haunted, don't you?" <laughs> and this is before the Ghost Hunters program aired. Um, oh, wow. The other stories. I wanted to tell you a few other stories that the workmen told. There's one that's um, that is is interesting. Um, The same workman who saw the figure emerge in the cloud of plaster dust and fly up the stairs and so on, he says that one time he was listening to an old AM radio in the mansion's kitchen when suddenly the music stopped and he heard a desperate voice saying, Mayday, 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 (laughs) over and over again until it stopped. And then there was dead silence. Oh, my God. And he'd been listening to music, contemporary music, and then suddenly it stopped, and he heard static, and this mayday, 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 <sighs> over and over again, and it stopped. <laughs> and what's interesting about that is that two of the Clarks were killed during the Second World War. Both were uh, pilots, and um, both planes went crashed. Oh,
3: wow. One that's
2: was um, really interesting. a young woman. Who was who was uh, a, a wave, and um, she was um, she was flying a plane that had just been finished at a factory to take it to the East Coast, and uh, because women weren't allowed to fly combat missions at that time, and the uh, plane blew up uh, on takeoff uh, because of a malfunction, mm-hmm. and um, the other gentleman who was considered to be one of the most promising of the young clerks at that time, a very handsome young man, very dashing in his uh, his lieutenant's uniform, he. Uh, he was killed uh, as well in uh, a plane crash. And um, we, we have wondered sometimes, uh, some of us, if uh, that could be related to that or, mm-hmm. or perhaps not. Mm-hmm. Others have reported um, hearing uh, the piano playing in the drawing room. We have a, an 1820s uh, piano forte there, um, and it's a very soft, gentle tone. Mm-hmm. People will hear that playing sometimes in the drawing room when no one is in the house. Oh. Sometimes laughter. And glasses clinking together and the sound of a party, the house was the scene of many wonderful parties over the years and George Clark, the builder was a a, a terrific host who went through oceans of of wine, different kinds of wine uh, and <laughs> wines, and uh, uh, really took great pride in and and entertaining his guests and After dinner after uh, many courses um, he would um, he would then sing English country songs. And then the gentlemen would go upstairs to the uh, billiard room, and the uh, the women would retire to the drawing room,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: uh, the party would continue uh, with uh, sexes segregated and so on. Mm-hmm. And these parties would go on all night. And uh, there are stories of people who had to be carried out or pushed under tables uh, <laughs> just to sweep it off, and so on. But it was it was very genteel and it was very English. And it was uh, he was quite famous for that and uh, thought to be a, an affable and uh, highly articulate and very interesting host.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Does, now you mentioned. There, oh, you still there, Ron? Okay. Yes. Oh. <laughs> um, you had mentioned now the the curse, the widow's curse. Uh, yes. And you mentioned that many of the women, the Clark women, were unhappy. Is,
3: is there well,
2: specific stories about that, or well? Just, Yes and no. I mean uh Anna Mariah Gregory who married uh, George Clark the uh, 2nd or George we we call him the George Clark the bankrupt sometimes which is not very fair because uh, most of his life uh, he was uh, very successful. He was a gambler, but he was very successful and it's just that his last gamble did not pay off and caused in 1887 the largest bankruptcy in American history. Oh no. <laughs> Well, he had double and triple mortgaged uh, all of his properties because his goal was to be the largest landowner in the state of New York, and he suffered from that old English weakness, and that is the desire to own land and land and land. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, he created uh, what the uh, lawyers would call exposure and, mm-hmm. uh, for himself. And he also had the very best hops in the country. Uh, Hyde Hall was surrounded by tenant farmers who leased um, the Clark farms and the Clark lands. And they would come to Hyde Hall and they would pay their rents just as they did in England. It was sort of a reproduction of the whole feudal arrangement with people coming to George Clark's office. And there there was a little uh, door there that they would uh, step up toward and uh, enter into his office so they didn't have to uh, drag mud through the rest of the house. And there was a rent table there, a round rent table with the drawers and the whole deal. And underneath that room was a a, a storeroom uh, that was uh, built into the, into the basement where he kept his valuables and so on. But anyway, um, it was uh, it was an arrangement that uh, was was basically futile, and uh, therefore um, it was uh, fragile. And um, right. George Clark had the best hops in the country, but when the hops market began to crumble, he refused to sell his hops for less because he had the best. Oh. And then somebody called in, somebody called in a five thousand dollar debt, and people owed him lots of money, but he couldn't collect from them. and it caused uh, what was essentially a multi-million dollar land empire, agricultural empire, to crumble. The house was then sold, and all of its contents were sold from the uh, the, the steps underneath the front portico in uh, 1887, and uh, George Clark himself passed away in 1889, but his son was able to get funding, through other relatives, to buy back the house and to buy back the English-style picturesque park around the house, which is quite beautiful, and to buy back uh, almost all of the furniture and all the family silver and all the things that were very important to them, the livery uh, for the servants' uniforms, the, everything, all the horses. And uh, so the, the the house was restored as best it could be, although um, and with a much diminished uh, purse. Right. Well, that.
1: That that's a fantastic story that he was able to get it back.
2: But, yes,
3: you know, he did obviously. get it back. But
2: after that, yeah. as the generations passed, it was harder and harder and harder to maintain such a, a huge property that required servants. And into right. the twentieth century. Not many people wanted to continue working as servants in an English-style household like this. That's true. uh, And then with the Second World War, uh, some people refer to Hyde Hall as one of the casualties of the Second World War because there were no young men anymore available to help keep it up, and there were no servants available. They were doing war work. Mm -hmm. So the family had to move out in uh, the early 1940s, around 1942. They stopped living here full-time. They moved into the gardener's cottage. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and then they only used Hyde Hall after that for uh summer functions and it, it was still uh. magnificent but they couldn't maintain it and that and then uh, a terrible kind of fungus uh that had been brought over from England because the clarks maintained their english connections and and visited england uh, frequently but they brought over in their trunks and in their clothing a fungus that uh, is non-native to the United States, but it found ideal growing circumstances here at Hyde Hall because it's a large, stone, moist English country estate just like mm. in England. Right. And that began to attack the woodwork and destroy the floor joists and the oh rafters and, and and so on. And that's when the house began to decay. So by the time the state got it, it was already in disrepair and and seriously jeopardized. But with the state... Not doing anything with it for several years uh, because uh, um, the, the property was still um, um, under litigation and uh, and so on, and, and they hadn't really quite decided what they were going to do with it until um, the agreement was made between the Friends of Hyde Hall and the state. Uh, it just it just deteriorated at a very accelerated rate, and the photographs of it from that period around 1970s show it as as a fantastic and and very beautiful but also awful ruin and right. uh, the the huge plaster ceilings you know partially fallen and the kind of photographs you see of some of the the the, the nicer buildings in Detroit today <laughs> and uh but, it, but but much older and 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 very very grand and right. um, so it in fact i have some visitors come through now who who say you know i was here in 1970 and it was the most amazing and beautiful ruin that I've ever seen, and and, mm. and why did you restore it? Oh, and then sometimes no. <laughs> other people will come through and they'll say, uh, well, uh, you know, this is very nice uh, what you have here, but when will the restoration begin?
1: Oh, my God.
2: Wow.
1: <laughs> you know, it, it, so you it, it's, it's so similar. Um, Ron and I were out um, in Lenox, Mass., at Ventford Hall uh, a yes. few months ago. And the same... You know, it's kind of the same old story is that, you know, it crumbled from the grandeur, um, you know, that it was, and it became this, and it was that, and it was a school, and it was a boarding house, and, you know, all the the floors had caved in, and, you know, and now they've restored that. So, you know, you love to hear those stories. And, uh, well, the
2: Hamptons and the Berkshires and, and, and uh, many other areas of the United States were full of these grand, wonderful houses that just mm-hmm. became impossible.
3: Right.
2: What right. Do you can do with maintain such a place? And, uh, exactly. And the right. and, and, and hiring of staff and paying the taxes and so on and so forth, and here it being lakefront property, right. uh, the taxes I'm sure were, were prohibitive and, <laughs> and so on. And so a lot of these houses have been pulled down. And right. in England, of course, the same thing happened. They started pulling them down in the last century. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I'm dating myself now. In the, uh, in the, in the late 19th century, you know, they, they began pulling those down, and it accelerated, especially after the Second World War, with taxes being so high and so on, right. and also servants not being available.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And now, so many times, you know, you, you do have these ghosts that are, that are there kind of, you know, for the duration and now yes. there's such an interest in that now that it kind of all it actually helps it I think <laughs> um, you know helps the
2: place it does you know and um, well it's it's a funny thing about Hyde Hall we we many of the staff have, have experienced this feeling very strongly mm-hmm. i certainly did the night that we had the uh, event celebrating the restoration of the chandeliers and and having them function for the first time as they as they had in the 1830s um, uh, that the house was was happy with that i mean it was just a joyous feeling throughout the whole mansion and, and it and it sometimes it sometimes can be gloomy and it certainly wasn't that night
3: mm-hmm.
2: and one thing that happened that was that was odd oh uh, at one event during the late fall when i was first working at hyde hall and this is before we got the chandeliers restored it was about three years ago we had battery operated candles that i've gotten rid of since but you have these battery-operated battery candles that had to be turned on uh, at the base to make them go on and off, and it's not right. easy to do it. It, it takes some force. Um, we had a, an event where, that featured uh, flute music, and flutes were a special uh, interest of the Clarks. Uh, we have several flutes in our collection from George Clark. His son played flute, and we have lots of sheet music of, of, of flute uh, music from the 1820s and 1830s. And I remember when the music was playing, again, there was that that happy feeling in the place. And, of course, that's Mm -hmm. entirely subjective, but we all felt that. Right. Anyway, after the event, um, several staff members went around the the drawing room, including me, to, to switch off all the candles, and there were at least 15 or 20 of them. And then we locked in the alarm, the mansion. And the really interesting thing is that when I came back the next morning, I found that every single one of the candles was on. Oh. Wow. and it really seemed weird given how hard it was to switch them on or off at the base Right, and it's something that requires that you remove the candles from their sockets
3: mm-hmm.
2: if only a handful had been on that would have been one thing you could but, understand but all that of them? right, right. But, this has wow. never happened since this has never happened since but it's just every single one of them and again it, it, if if you whether you believe or whether you don't believe you look at it and you have to smile and say they enjoyed it and they wanted it to go on. No, oh,
1: that's awesome. Now we have a question uh, from Ghost Girl again in the uh, chat. She would like to know: Do you have ghost events there at all, investigations or we do. anything like that?
3: We have
2: we have what are called the the summer hauntings here, and and these are hmm. our ghost tours that are reenactments of events that actually occurred at Hyde Hall. And every year we write new scripts. We have a resident uh, playwright, uh, Gary Kotnick, who's excellent. And we have uh, a cast uh, composed of uh, people from New York City, professional actors and, uh, and, and amateur actors who are all excellent, who work together. And for between five and six weeks every summer, the middle of uh, July through the middle of August, on Wednesday nights, we have these performances which take visitors to through the, the, through the mansions through some of the most magnificent rooms where these vignettes are, are reenacted. And uh, it's been quite wonderful, and it's very, from my perspective as a as a museum administrator and a, as a scholar, I, uh, it, it is legitimate because it does draw upon the history of the house, and they're very educational about the people who lived here and the kinds of um, the kinds of struggles they had.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds that sounds really interesting. I would love so to hear that. They are
2: good, and then and then last year after Ghost is uh, aired. The uh, Hyde Hall episode—they—they they saved it for the end of the year. They saved it for Halloween. Uh-huh. Uh, they said it was the best—the best episode of the year—and so they—they they aired it on October 30th, the the day before Halloween. Um,
3: That's perfect. A-
2: after that, we had a series of candlelight tours, and that was in November, and they were—they were wonderful because it was uh, our staff. We're, we're all former teachers, I was a college professor, the other people who have either taught college, high school, whatever. But we're all teachers. We love to tell the stories of Hyde Hall. Mm-hmm. And so we go through the house with candlelight or period lighting using nice. the argand or the Sunumbra lamps that we have here or the vapor lamps.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, we, we we take them through the areas where... Hauntings have been reported, the staircase where uh, a Mastiff in the 19th century refused to go down and stood there snarling and growling. And just recently, uh, only a few years ago, one of our board members tried to get his dog to go up this uh, flight of stairs, and the dog wouldn't and refused. And and, uh, (laughs) the gentleman uh, became angry with the dog and and began to force her to come up the stairs, and she squatted in in the middle of the stairs and uh, lost control of her bowels. Oh, no! There was something... There oh, that no. we couldn't see. Wow, poor thing.
3: Oh. But you
2: know, there are a number of incidents at Hyde Hall. Again, nothing malevolent, but they're hard to explain. There was a wardrobe, a massive wardrobe in one of the bedrooms, the bedroom that we think probably is the one that James Fenimore Cooper was talking about sleeping in and,
3: <clears> and <throat> being
2: visited. Uh, the uh, a, a former director had her son and several other uh, uh, college age kids. Uh, they were all football players move up into that room uh, against the wall and the next morning she came into work and she went through the house and she noticed that the wardrobe was in the middle of the room (laughs) and she called him she called him up and she was very angry and said i told you to put that against the wall and he said mom we did (laughs) oh no and it it takes at least five guys to move that wardrobe it's a massive mahogany empire wardrobe right and uh it's 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 wonderful. To look at it's the kind of thing that you can imagine uh, going to Narnia through. Right, but, uh, <laughs> I was just going to say that <laughs> it, it it was it was. But and, and and since then, occasionally it it does seem uh, that it it doesn't seem to want to be against that wall. And that's the same room where Ghost Hunters had uh, put some kind of sensor um, uh, on the on the wall and, and mm-hmm. noted that uh, something was going in front of the sensor and, and blocking the light, uh, something that couldn't be seen. Hmm. And uh, wow. a room where they, they claim that they picked up voices and so on. Wow. Um, and there's also a statue of Narcissus, a bronze statue that is in a et- etagere and a little sitting room as part of that guest suite. Mm-hmm. And that statue is supposed to be facing the mirror because he's supposed to be admiring himself. Of course. And it tends <laughs> to move away from the mirror, and it tends to turn so that it's facing into the room. And that's <laughs> moved a number of times.
3: Wow. And...
2: Um, and just today, as a matter of fact, and again i 'm not making this up today, uh, a visitor in the the dining room where where people often have difficulties' a magnificent room this is the room that 's got these, these uh, uh, a wonderful pair of these vapor light chandeliers and huge family portraits that that, that, that are over ten feet high, and uh-huh. so on, looking down at you from the walls it 's full of um, Clarks going back to the 18th century. Uh, this is a room where people have difficulty with their cameras. Their cameras oh. either don't work, the batteries suddenly drain, and they say, well, "I just charged this up." Uh, <laughs> oh, they yeah. don't get that any feeling. images, or they get images that are full of little orbs, as they call them. And of course, right. it could be it could be dust motes uh, on the lens, but it they're just full of these things, and they claim that their lenses are clean and so on. Right. Uh, but right. but anyway. To Just today, um, we had uh, one of our, our tour guides in with a, a, a woman who took a photograph, and um, we don't allow people to take photos in the mansion because people just pull out their cell phones and do it anyway. We didn't right. used to allow this, <laughs> but it, it's going to happen, so we may as well sort of semi-control it by saying, now, now we're going to pause so that you can take photos. <laughs> and she did, and then she said, oh my gosh. And she pulled back, and today was an overcast day here, and uh, so there was no strong sunlight, and there was no light coming in through the uh, the, 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 the slatted uh, 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 blinds
3: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, and there was a a, a white cross, very oh. clearly defined, a white cross, a large one on the wall between two of the portraits, between the portrait of George Clark the builder and his son uh, dressed in his midshipman's uh, uniform from wow. the, uh, about 1837 or 1838.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, and then she said, uh, we asked her to send this to us just so we could have this. In the same room, another one of our tour guides took, uh, he was taking some test photographs. He polishes all the uh, brass of the, uh, um, the, uh, the andirons and the, and, the, and the fenders and so on throughout the mansion and makes them look all brilliant and shiny, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as of course they were. And he was taking a photograph of that, and one photo turned out just fine. And the next photo, there is a fairly large image Mm -hmm. that is just appears to be a cloudy outline of a man.
0: Wow! And
2: we do we do have that one. And Um, then I hate to
0: I hate to say this, but we we have to wrap it up right now. Uh, But I, I, I. uh, I do want to ask you one question, uh, Jonathan. Would you be interested in having a live broadcast of uh, Ghost Chronicles say
2: Yes, possibly. It's possibly. It's the kind of thing that we would have to discuss and, and arrange and, and so on, yeah, but it, oh, yeah, uh, definitely. it could oh, be:
0: uh, Yeah it could
2: be a lot it could be very uh, interesting.
0: If you like awesome. time. We do have a lot of stories here. Uh, I, I think it'd really be interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll talk to you at off the end. so, anyways, we want to thank you so much for uh, coming on. Can you give out the uh, website uh, so if anybody's interested? Yeah, in, uh, any out of this your place?
2: listeners would like to see what Hyde Hall looks like, please go to www.hydehall.org. Www.hydehall, Again, that's www.hydehall, H-A-L-L, all lowercase o-r-g
0: wonderful well, Jonathan thank you so much for joining us and, and uh, it sounds like a really cool place and uh, you know I'd love to get up there and take a look at it um, maybe a road trip for us Ann what do you think oh it well, sounds thank great you, Ron. to me
2: <laughs> we would love to see you all and uh, this was a great pleasure thank you for letting me talk about Hyde Hall oh
1: thank oh, no you Jonathan problem. thank you so much
0: yep have a good night now good night thank you good night Wow, that was cool, Anne. Right?
1: Yeah. Oh, that place sounds phenomenal.
0: Was I it good? Love, yeah.
1: I would. I would love to go there. Oh, we're still on. <laughs> Hold
3: on. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on.
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay. So. Anyways, um we're just about out of time. So I, I do want to mention that uh of course uh yeah, that was really cool and, and we, we that would wouldn't it be great to do a live broadcast here like an old time radio where you know we, we he could reenact some of those things that happened and, and mm. maybe something else would happen as well.
1: That sounds fabulous.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll Works talk to him about me. it. Uh, anyways um the uh believe it or not it's almost September and which means in just three short weeks uh Spirit Quest will be here
1: I know already
0: Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know, it's going to be the September 19th through the 21st. And uh, tickets are selling very well. And uh, it's going to be all about spiritualism and early ghost hunting. It's going to be a steampunk ghost hunt, uh, red light seance. Uh, There'll be magicians. There'll be uh, spiritualists. There'll be ghost hunters. There'll be steampunk. There'll be all kinds of strange things. But it will be a lot of fun.
1: Yes, it will. Don't
0: forget the henna. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you will be there too. That's right. I
3: will be there doing henna.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and uh, also, uh, Stephen Scott, uh, he's a uh, Scottish spiritualist, who will be over from Scotland along with uh, Stephen uh, Parsons from the UK. Uh, so it's going to be neat. So uh, go to our website, anyghostproject.com. That's November Echo ghostproject.com, that's any like the New England. So there you go, right, good. another another good episode. Yes, that was wonderful.
1: Um, maybe next week we'll hear you a little better, though.
0: Yeah, you, you enjoyed it. Oh, wait a minute. I've just been <laughs> informed that the doorbell has just rung.
1: Oh, the doorbell just rung now? Uh,
0: okay. Now I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. Do we have two minutes left, Karina? Karina, <laughs> Karina. Yes, we do. <laughs>
1: oh, no, we have to BS our way through two more minutes. No. <laughs> here we here we were waiting for the heartbeats.
0: But. I know it. We, we're trying to, uh, uh, yeah, we could have got that last question in. Oh, well. Anyway, yep. so uh, yeah, check out the website. We're also doing Dining with the Dead with uh, Stephen Scott and. Um, Steve Parsons as well, and he, he will be teaching a two-day uh, ghostology thing at uh, uh, Circles of Wisdom as well.
1: Oh, oh there it is. Doorbell. I
4: that heard was, the
1: doorbell. That was pretty <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my.
0: Uh, oh, well, anyways. Now
1: I have a, a question about Dining with the Dead. So yeah. Stephen Scott is going to be... <laughs> Karen has said the, ba- the doorbell was frozen. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll give him frozen.
1: Now, Stephen Scott is going to be doing, is he going to be doing, like, um, readings that evening, or is he just going to be uh,
0: talking to the people? Dining with the Dead at the Wyndham? Yes. Yes. He will be doing uh, both. Awesome. Hmm. Yeah. it, it uh, It will be a a spiritualist, uh, I mean, he will do a, I don't know what do you call it, gallery or whatever they call it, but he'll also be doing that at SpiritQuest, too. So he'll be doing, uh, in fact, we're going to have, he will be leading a a spiritualist healing ceremony, just yeah. as they do at the spiritual. A lot of people don't know about the spiritualist church, so I figured it would actually have a ceremony there at one of their meetings so that we people could understand what it was all about.
1: Excellent. Well, now they're going to play the tunes for us. We have to say goodbye now.
0: Oh, really? Oh, well. (laughs) So thanks for carrying the show in. Once again, I appreciate that.
1: Hey, you can always count on me, Van Helsing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you again next week.
0: Good night and God bless.